New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Jan Phillips. She's the author of many books, including No Ordinary Time, The Rise of Spiritual Intelligence and Evolutionary Creativity. Jan, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. These times, they're very challenging, and we're looking for some innovative thinking, imaginative thinking. What is your best advice for us in these times? I think, number one, to be hooked up to a support system so that you are in communion and conversation with people who see you and mirror you back to yourself so that you can be clear about your thoughts and clear about your direction and how you're managing your time and your energy. I think that's an important part of staying hopeful and useful. I think also to be careful about your intake of the news, where it comes from, so that you don't get inundated with too much negativity and yet you receive the information you need to receive about what's going on in the world, but also to participate in activities that, to whatever extent, are associated with you being a cultural creator. I mean, yesterday I was in downtown Oakland, part of the, you know, strike there, photographing it largely. It was the continuation of the Occupy Wall Street movement, but it was a strike to actually close down the port, close down many of the banks, and in a nonviolent, in a very professional way. But they took the kids out of school. There was thousands, probably 10,000 people there. They were committed to just saying, not we have the answer, but this is our line in the sand. It is no longer acceptable for us to have this teeny tiny percentage of rich people owning so much, having so much power, etc. So that when we become engaged in an action that registers our resistance, we don't have to know the answers. None of us can know the answers singularly because it's too complex. But if you put your body on the line, that will fuel you in a very soulful way to know that you're not alone in your feelings, you're not alone in your despair, but how do you convert your despair into something that can be a powerful source of energy for you? You act out according to what you believe in. So that's my advice. Somehow in that advice, there is also putting ourselves in line with hearing a diversity of views. Part of that whole movement, Occupy Wall Street movement, it seems to me from what I've read and what I've experienced, is that people are sitting around listening deeply to one another. Is that your experience? 
last week I was in Minnesota, and there was a huge bulletin board for the teach-ins. And every teach-in about education or about lobbying or about disenchantment with Congress, every teach-in has a group of people who just need to be updated about what's the latest that's come out of Washington in this regard, right? So it's like the old days in the second wave of feminism when you get in a circle, you get your consciousness raised, then you're empowered because you're in a group. Remember when they discovered the personal is political? Well, in these gatherings, it becomes visceral to us that the personal is political, right? There's teach-ins. We, we don't go there just despairing, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's actual information gathering forums there. So it's hopeful. It's really an important circle. And some people need to avoid, you know, those public gatherings and don't want to feel like political, don't want to be filmed and have somebody see their picture on the six o'clock news. So in lieu of that, I would say just call your own circle together. Have a dinner party in your home. Have a wine and cheese happy hour. Just call some people together. I remember on September 11, my response to that was, I want to invite everyone in the neighborhood. And it's a very diverse neighborhood, but you know, I want to invite the 15 people all around my house to bring their native food to come in my backyard and let's just sit here and say who we are, you know? And isn't that the most important thing, that we start to feel community again, that we start to know our neighbors? We've gone through such a stage of isolation. Oh, gosh, yeah. We put that up on such a huge pedestal, and it seems like that's toppling now. I think it's toppling because isolation never works for anyone, and because I think we're led by a soul force that's greater than us and greater than our intellect. And I think that the mass consciousness is trying to corral us into a kind of feeling of the unified field, the unified force that we can be. You know, we always know we're greater than the sum of our parts. What is God to you, Jan? Well, God to me is no longer a, a personal masculine being or entity that exists external to me. I feel God in my breath. And so the God concept is a concept of the spark and the fire within me that is the source of my love and compassion. And that I also have a feeling that there was some meaningful force to the beginning of this beautiful thing that I'm in the midst of, this universe, this cosmos. I, I can't not be in awe at the beauty of the design. So I do say probably there's some intellect behind it all. There's some supreme intelligence. But I practice being an atheist a couple times a week because I need to speak the language of an atheist for those people in my midst. But here's what I've come to. If there is a God, I'm in awe. If there's not a God, I'm in greater awe. You did a conference, and you were driving to that conference with a friend, and she mentioned that she was an atheist. And talk about how you designed that conference. One of the most important things for me when I have a circle, particularly one that I'm facilitating, is that no one feels excluded. 
and people were coming from the Bible Belt to the conference. So when Jane said to me halfway there, she was an atheist, I was disconcerted because I thought, "Uh uh-oh, now how am I going to create a circle where she feels safe and where she doesn't feel excluded? And when we stopped at the airport in Albuquerque to pick up the three women from the Bible Belt, right away they start saying things like, well, God, you know, stopped the rain from raining so our plane wasn't late. And talking about God like some Geppetto in the sky. And so for the beginning, when we introduced ourselves at night and started our workshop, I just said the rules for this entire weekend is you say anything you want to say about who you are and what you do, but do not use the word G-O-D. And people went nuts at first. How are we going to talk if we can't use the word God? I said, you just figure out another way of expressing that very thing you're trying to express. And what happened as a result of that, well, Jane felt really included in the process, but the women who had to come up with other ways of expressing that spiritual thing they were trying to talk about, they were so more spiritually empowered when they left because they stopped abdicating to an outside force and they started taking responsibility for the spirituality of their lives. That's beautiful. If we all look at that and look at the language we're using that we just don't even think about anymore and get in touch with the real deep feeling of our expression rather than just sort of mouthing the words. So what can you say about these times and your best advice? What might be most useful to us in the second decade of the 21st century, what's most useful to us right now? I think it might help to reflect on the possibility that you chose to be here at this time, that your soul took a choice in the matter and said, I have something to give, and that soul took on a body to do the work, and that you are in that body. And so for you to say, what's your soul's mission? How do I know what it is? To look for the time and the place in your life when you are most joyful. See what the elements of that joy are and recognize that that's probably when you were closest to your destiny and your soul's calling. Were you in nature? Were you in a city? Were you in another country? Were you doing service? If you know the elements, then you can kind of re-piece it back together. The work that you do, the creation that you make, when you're true to yourself, causes you to be in deep, deep joy. And that's what the search is for. And you being in deep joy will necessarily cause people around you to be in deep joy themselves. Oh, thank you so much. Jan, thank you for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe. Thanks for inviting me. I've been speaking with Jan Phillips. She's the author of No Ordinary Time, The Rise of Spiritual Intelligence and Evolutionary Creativity. And if you'd like to be in touch with her and also join her e-newsletter, monthly newsletter, you can go to her website, janphillips.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. I thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you to join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. 
this series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.